Hello, I'm Melody Asani. I'm Julie Burns-Walker. Today, we welcome you back to the Butterfly Forecast. I like Can you hear us? We can hear you. I can hear you both. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Really well. The cutest thing happened today because I flew here to surprise our oldest young adult. And she had finished classes and had a meeting. And she was like, oh, I'm about to jump in the car. And I was like, don't move. And she's like, what do you mean don't move? Because she usually pulls a prank on me like that. Like she's nowhere near me, but she'll say, you know, turn around. But the cutest thing is she was head to toe, Melody Asani. Head to toe. Oh, I know. Mushi, I love her so much. I can't believe she's about to have another birthday. It just, it feels like just the other day it happened. Yes. But you know what? It, she's blossoming beautifully. It's so exciting to see. Oh, always. I mean, it's been the most consistently beautiful blossom ever. Yeah. You know, selfishly, the other two are right right alongside her blossom. They're just hilariously so different from one another. They're so different, but I'm, I swear I laugh all day long. (laughs) There's something that they're doing or saying, or, and I'm learning all day long, all day. That's sweet news. Yeah. I feel the same. How are you? How are you both? Really good. Yeah. It's been so nice to be together. Julie's out of Chicago and in the sunshine. <laughs> it's been incredible. I was telling Melody, I, I think I think differently when I'm here. For sure. The sun and uh, I know my facial expressions are different because I'm not protecting myself from the, from the, wind. the winds. And it's just so lovely. And even though it's short, it's going to be like medicine. It'll sustain me when I go back. I agree. I was just um, speaking to someone here in Boston and I said yesterday in LA was absolutely perfect. Like, I don't know another way to describe it. And I live in LA. So the idea that it, it really does feel like medicine. And, you know, I take a morning sunrise walk. Afshin laughs at me every morning because we'll be talking, cruising. I'm like, oh, it's the sun. It's rising again. Because it's new every day. That's why it's not the same. Yes. What got you into that? Because it feels like it was this thing that you just started doing. And then it became, I noticed that it became so important to you. Like it became part of you. Absolutely. Um, My five-year-old neighbor, Mila, Iruni Hastish, she, I was walking with, so I have the best neighbors. There's, it's a little trifecta. And we were walking one day at the height of the pandemic. And that was my little bubble. And she was saying, oh, my daughter loves to wake up and look out the window and watch the sunrise. She's always loved to watch the sunset and the sunrise. And I don't know, it was like someone tapped me on my shoulder. And I just looked at her and I was like, sunrise? As if I'd never heard the word sunrise before. And the next day, I just was like, okay. And weirdly enough, Afshin had started getting up at five. I'm always up for a challenge. So I didn't want to disturb his time. But I was like, well, if he's up, then I'll get up a little bit later and I'll take the sunrise walk. And it was quickly addictive. And at first I took it. So I took the walk. Um, sometimes I've met new friends that are that have 
been on my Instagram and said, like, I want to walk with you. I'm like, let's do it. And so we virtually walk. Afshin joined me for walks. It's just been wonderful. And I think what's so great about it is, you know how something fills you up so deeply and you want it to fill up everybody? Yeah. But I think this time around, it was beautifully mine. And I wanted whoever wanted to join to join without feeling like I'm evangelizing. Like, you've got to have this. I just, which is why I share it on Instagram. It's like, this is here for all of us. Every day it's different. I never get sick of it. I get so many messages from people. I get pictures from around the world of sunrises. What? Yeah, it's so cool. I love That's amazing. It's really That's so incredible. Carrie, you know, that reminds me, I was telling Melody a while back, I was at this museum and I walked into the show. I was the first one there and I was like, where are the paintings? And it was two enormous rooms. The artists traveled around the world and painted a square of the sky in virtually every part of the world. So you had to walk up to the wall to see the painting. And it took your breath away. You were like, oh my gosh, I'm where? (laughs) Wow. That's my kind of art exhibit. Yeah, it was magic. It was just magic. I can only imagine. And I think about how many things have I looked beyond Mm -hmm. that have been simply waiting for me because... When I think about the sunrise, I literally think like it literally asks me of, for nothing. There's nothing. It just fills me up. So I wonder like, what other things have I looked past? Have you ever thought about that? Like, yes, yes, yes. I've yes. actually been thinking about mm-hmm. that. You know, this morning, Julie and I walked, I live by the beach and we walked along the beach to this really cute pier nearby. It's like a 10, 15 minute walk. Mm-hmm. And we sat down and had breakfast And I've been living here for two years and I've never been there. And it was such a beautiful thing. But aside from that, I think about things like that all the time, like, especially because I'm surrounded by so much nature. I'm like, you know, like when she comes and visits me, I do things that I wouldn't typically do because she's here. Mm -hmm. And I constantly ask myself, like, why haven't I, why didn't I think to do this before on my own or what else am I missing out on that that's right here right. under my nose that mm. I just don't know about? And I feel like sometimes we get introduced to things because we had accompaniment in the beginning and then we don't need it anymore. We can do it by ourselves. Like if you went hiking on a certain trail with a friend, oh. you may not have initiated that by yourself, but you will after yeah. you hike it. Yes. And it's such a beautiful lesson for me as I watch my two young adults really move into their world. I've always tried to stay a step ahead in that. I think as a parent, we, I can speak for myself that, you know, it's an emotional journey, much of which is solitary. It's in my room by myself, it's conversations. It's, you know, how do you guide without, without forcing someone into your direction? And all of these things, but just feeling guided by nature, which I promise you, nature did not accompany me for the first few decades of my life. You know, you guys know I had an irrational fear of basically the outside because I had this fear of dog poop. Yeah. I don't know. I just chalk it up to like past life stuff, whatever. And I gave myself time to get over it and get through it, which took me to my mid forties. It colored everything. And in fact, I really didn't start 
experiencing the outside of California, which is just so incredible, the hiking trails and such. For you know, the first 15 years, I just didn't do it when we lived here. And so when I think about my blossoming, it's really cool to look at the parallel of watching my kids and you know, sometimes they, they're unsure of themselves, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to figure it out. And sometimes I'm just like, people are like, how are you so chill? I'm like, because they're here to teach us. They're here to explore. So the sun has given me even more confidence to allow them to go do their thing. And Melody, you'll appreciate this because Esan, who's positive that your last name is Esani because his name is Esan, <laughs> he is just such... He's so into fashion and music, which is, you know, I think about you all the time because the things he wears to school yesterday was a full 7-Eleven Kerwin Frost collab with confidence, with excitement. It's so cool to watch. And I I know old Carrie would have been like, really? Are you sure? Well, I'm convinced you guys named him after me. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) <laughs> we got that baby name book from Iran. That book is like from the seventies and to do as though God is watching. Y'all have a serious name. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Mic, mic drop. What do you say after that? <laughs> what do you say? Nobody should say anything after they hear your name. I just wore your kimono jacket. <gasps> it's something that was really important to me. And when I was in this moment, the person said, where exactly that? Where exactly that? I own two of them. Oh, you're so Because I know I'm going to gift one to someone, so I bought two. You're so <laughs> cute. I can't, I can't. I can see you in that, too. Mm. Oh, I'm surprised I don't have it on. Back to over there. You're it's so cute. There. Carrie, what are you up to these days? You've been like, you're such a trailblazer. I was just sharing with Mel, the, from when I met you till now, I think you've had like more incarnations than any life. You know, to have you in my space, my heart space has helped me. I hear you all the time. So I'm sorry about that. I, yeah, no, it's all, it's great because this is what I love about you, Julie. I just want to just say one thing and then I'm just going to. This is how Julie drops life-changing. I'm just going to just say one thing that I just needed. I want to just tell you this. So I'm producing television and film. Yara and I and Afshin have a production company. And it's so funny. Afshin's mom said something, I don't know, 15 years ago. You guys should have a production company. And I remember having this visceral like, what? Where did that come from? Wow. And here we are full circle. But it was a really interesting moment where Yara was working in television as an actor. And we were told by our team that ABC wanted to offer Yara and I a production deal. And my first question was like, okay, why me? Why me? And I've had these experiences where I have not seen myself the way other people have experienced me. Mm. I'm really confident. So I have an incredible human on my team. Her name is Liz, who, funny enough, knew of you, Julie, separate from me, separate from Melody, like literally years ago, your name came to me through two different paths of two people that I care tremendously about. So um, she just said to me, she said, have you not watched yourself all these years? And I thought about it. And then maybe a couple months later, we were on set with another client and I had to rewrite something really quickly. And she just looked at me and she was like, you're producing. 
and just kind of walked away. And I was like, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, so I asked ABC and they've been wonderful. We've been in that family for years and years. I said, just give me a year because I want to help Yara get through her freshman year of college. So we held off for a year. She did her freshman year. And then the next year, season two, we got out of the car. She walked to the right to go to her trailer for Gronish. And I walked to the left to open our offices. And, you know, the first couple of weeks, I had all of these moments of like, what if I like absolutely every idea that came this way? How do you say no to people that have something that they care so deeply about? <laughs> and I'd say the beginning of week three, I literally woke up and I was like, got it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you develop relationships, not network, but you develop deep relationships in spaces outside of what you think mm-hmm. you need to do, they all come back around. So all of a sudden, all of our friends that are in the worlds of music and fashion and journalism, and they all, all are in the world of producing as well. And I realized that if an idea doesn't work for us, we're able to say like, but you know what? We've got these great friends that we think this could work for. And we're able to call and say, hey, listen to this pitch. Long story longer, I'm producing. That's amazing. So exciting. Congratulations. What a beautiful incarnation. You know, one of the things I wonder about is you always seem so motivated by love. I don't think most people in the industry are actually motivated. I mean, truly by love and whether you were working with Afshin, like inspired, like you're sort of a secret visionary, you know, you see what people could be doing and, or Yara or the boys, like it's crazy how much you already saw it before the opportunity was there. I definitely agree with you. And you've helped me though. You've helped me say like, yeah, you're not going crazy, Carrie. I'm so glad. But what I wonder about is, are you aware of like, if love starts to percolate in you, that something's about to happen, something's about to change or like this time, this time around, it's about you. You you mm-hmm. paved the way. It's like you open the door for everybody else. Mm-hmm. After you, no, after you, I see this. You're going to do this. You're going to succeed. Like, was it the same for yourself? That's such a good question. I feel like I had to get through the emotions of, shouldn't I be scared right now? Shouldn't I be doubtful right now? I had to learn a new language. Somebody told me producing is telling the best truth that you can which I was like, I just like to tell the truth. But I had to really feel that love for myself and not let the outside emotion of like, oh, but you shouldn't be so confident. You shouldn't feel so assured, those outside voices. So that's new. But I've always had this feeling that if I'm not doing cartwheels and something amazing has happened, always I'm like, oh, more's coming. It's not even being obnoxious. It's like, oh, that's cool. That just locked. That's amazing. And then I just kind of smile because I realize it's just still the beginning of my journey. You told me that I was going to be do- doing something in the space of talking, which I'm like, what is that? But it's funny how much I use even my social media to just share my love for whomever. Somebody has a business. If I have an idea or a connection, I'm like, this is unsolicited, but I really think that. Yeah. Well, you're so good at, you're so good at being thoughtful. Mm. Like you, I just feel like it's part of your 
I don't know. It's like you have this incredible memory or this Rolodex of like everybody that passes by your radar. And then as soon as a, an opportunity comes for you to plug them in, just it's like these things connect, like the synapses in your brain connect. <laughs> My dad has always said, you know, abundance must flow. And when I have talked to the kids when they were younger, when they were really little and they were in the business, Afshin and I would give them money. So they would make money and we'd just put it aside, but we'd give them like $10. But it, with that $10, it was like three things we'd ask of you to do. You can split it however you want, but save, spend, donate. Because that was hardwired for me, it's hardwired for them. And literally, like if you try and hold on to something, like there's so many spaces. It literally, our hand shows us that we can't hold on to all the money, all the knowledge, all the love, all the, you must share it. Like it's going to pour out like those sand timers. So why not actively release it? Share it. Yeah. There's this article um, that was titled mm. about you and Yara, about how serving is an act of self-care. Mm. I love that. I've never heard that before, but after I kept reading it over and over again, and I was like, oh my God, it is the ultimate self-care is to serve others because whenever you serve others, you're really serving yourself. Because what else is there? Your true self. Yes. I don't know. I may come back a hundred times. This may be my last time. I don't know, but I know that nothing, nothing feels better. Not a Gucci bag, not a trip overseas, not a lay flat seat going to Paris. Nothing feels better than to give somebody else an opportunity, an experience, unsolicited love, support. Nothing feels better. I feel blessed that I even feel that way because I couldn't imagine what it would feel like to just chase an object or material goods. I don't know what that would feel like. So I'm, I feel really blessed. When you did start to make money, or to start start having those material objects, did you find that it ever became a test for you? Like now that you had it, did you ever feel like, what if I don't, what if I lose it? Or what if I go backwards? Or has that never? Never, because even in the early 90s, when I was making $26,000, I felt like I was making 150. I honestly did. Yeah. In the moments where I had money woes, that would be student loan debt. That would that would be it. Where you know, I I had an academic scholarship for school, but I took every class I could all summer. Like I wouldn't do it again that way. You know, I stayed longer. I went to graduate school, all purpose driven. But I came out with this heavy. I can imagine what young people feel now, and even you know, people in their thirties, forties, fifties. It's a heaviness that's unlike anything else to have that deep financial debt. But I remember calling my father and I had Yara and I had a one-year-old and I was like, I'm so stressed. I've been paying this for 10 years and it just keeps creeping up. And my dad said, um, okay. It was like 70,000 at this point because it just kept going up. And he said, I'm going to send you $20,000 just to take the hanks off you. So saying that his great grandmother's just to take the, take the pressure off. He's like, I'm going to send 5,000 first. And I was like, wow, thanks. I wasn't even asking him for it. So he did that. But I was also raised reading books around like Shakti Gawan, you know, Esther Hicks, 
I was raised reading these books, Deepak. And so I remember watching The Secret, which I was like, oh, I know what books this is based off of. They're interesting. That's a really interesting spin on the books. But I remember taking a bank statement. We had just moved to LA and writing the number on there and laughing and saying, I'm going to pay this off. I had fallen into the commercial actor market here. Didn't think I could, but I did effortlessly. I talked to my girlfriend, Joan, and said, I'm going to use all my earnings and pay this off. I don't want this to be uh, something that we carry as a couple. And my abundance started flowing so quickly from commercial earnings. I remember calling her saying, okay, I'm going to use half my earnings to pay this off. And we chuckled and I paid it off in seven months. And I just know that after having that experience, if I can be helpful to other people, I can be. But I also knew that now I've had both experiences. I've had the experience of making the $26,000 and literally feeling unstoppable and carrying that heaviness. And so when the money started to flow, really the only pressure that I have felt is, how can I be more of service with this? We've got something beautiful planned for after Yara's graduation. I think every relationship we have with our endorsement partners, they are extremely philanthropic on behalf of our family. And we utilize our friends to say, what's that little nonprofit that could really utilize this drop of abundance? So we've got like incredible, very big partners that are like, great, awesome. I just got a uh, text from our Dell partner like, hey, I remember you said you wanted to do something. We'd love to do that with you. And so I think with the increase of financial abundance, it's just given us more to share. But I did say the other day, I did say like, am I doing enough? What, what else should I be doing? So, well, because abundance for you isn't just about like stacking chips. Mm-hmm. It's about like wanting to do more. Like you have capacity to do so much. So it's more of like a tool as it is like something that you're just hoarding. Mm-hmm. And another element which really inspires me, and I feel like it's such a important example for today's world. And that is, you were saying like your dad introduced you to abundance, so you trusted abundance. But then, Carrie, you evolved abundance. Like, not only did you have that rare upbringing where your father introduces you to this is the way life is. And so, of course, you trust it and him. But you didn't have to evolve the concept and you did. So then you own it. I've never thought of it that way. So beautiful. That's what she does. Just drop gems, casual gems all day long. God, dog it. (laughs) (laughs) Just bumps around in my head. Like what else? Yeah. What else? What would be the illest MC ever? You would just be, (laughs) you should be like a ghostwriter. Between the two of us, we have connections. In you the, know, in musical. listen, your Nas is your cousin. Oh, <laughs> uh, your husband. Oh, yeah. That okay. too. What a moment of like parallel universes where it just took me back to a space where before kids, before husband, like, oh, my God, the joy that his music has brought me for decades. Mm. It's just insane to be able to share that with my kids. It's insane. So when I saw the new video posted, I'm like, you, I literally called both boys. I'm like, this is uh, <laughs> nuts. 
It's so good. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. But yeah, the idea of evolving abundance. Somebody did give me some advice one time because I was talking to someone about, you know, the business can be a little off-putting at times. I would describe it as, especially for actors, not even young actors, actors. It's like the ground is always moving beneath them, right? But if you can remember that the ground is always moving beneath you, there's nobody in the business that's actively trying to make that actor feel assured of their role, confident that it's theirs, comfortable that they can speak. It just isn't that way. I don't know if, if it's a fear of showing an actor that you deeply care for. I don't know what it is, but it's just not that way. And I was saying, when you've got that, you're in a space like that, you feel driven to share your talents, but you also have to deal with the flip side of the Twitter, the Instagram, the TikTok, the people talking about you, the people not really understanding you know, what the business is like. It can be really hurtful. And I think it's these moments of abundance that that's why you see a lot of abundant actors who are philanthropic so much that you don't, you don't even know. We don't know half the things that people are doing because they're not doing it to share with the world. But I do feel like in those spaces of insecurity, just knowing that one can be really abundant is settling. You know, there was somebody on the, on the lot, an executive told me, you know, sometimes people aren't ready to hear it. So I've had to hone my, my discernment because like you're saying, Julie, there are times where I'm not telling you what to do. I'm literally being told to tell you this. I had a moment one time where I'm like, have you thought about doing X, Y, Z, ABC? And then your young human can use their weekly. They're, they're an actor on this weekly. That's just going to be funny money for them. But over here, this is going to be inspired money, things that they're really also doing and chasing and having fun and actually making an incredible amount of money. The person followed what I did, but the person also, they felt a sense of insecurity because it came back to me that, oh, the Shahidi said they're making so much money. I said nothing about my money. I said nothing about our family. All I was saying is, you're asking me a question and I'm literally telling you what's being communicated to me to tell you right now. It's a whole roadmap in 15 minutes. And so I did have to figure out how to be discerning in that I've always felt like if I had some information and I wasn't sharing, it felt like I was lying through omission versus using my ability to discern to say, maybe not today is the right time to share with them, but it may be next week. I'm going to hold on to this because there's something that's telling me they're not, this is not the right space, time or space. And that's been helpful too. Yeah. You're, you have more knowing of yourself. Well, that actually made me think you know, one of the things that I really admire about you is that you see people like you really see people. Like I remember feeling so seen by you and I was kind of taken aback because I was like, how, how does she see that? But it's really just because you take the time to notice things that others don't. And mm. I felt like you had a genuine interest in me. I mean, I really had nothing to offer you but you just were like genuinely, you're just an authentic person. And so every time I see you, you always have like a vision, like Julie was saying, you're, you are truly such a visionary, but it was so generous of you to have vision for others, like what you see for them. The same way that you're talking about how you, you know, you shared your vision with ABC about what they could possibly do. Did you see that about yourself too? Or mm, such a good question. Or did you have anybody that mirrored 
like had like saw you really well? Oh, yeah. My grandparents, my parents, like literally I'm surrounded and doused in confidence and a knowingness from generations. Do you know how incredible and rare that is? I didn't know. I did. I honestly didn't know. I'm one that takes notes when my dad talks. Like sometimes I'll just hit him up while we're walking to the sunrise and we talk 10 minutes or we talk two hours, but I take notes. And I remember there was a moment, it was Yara's freshman year. And I watched them having a conversation about a final paper she was writing. He said, I have some information from my thesis from 1969 that I think you might find useful. And I'm taking notes, listening to them talk. And I literally was like, this is such a full circle moment. But I had the great good fortune to be raised with all of my grandparents who were all educators, entrepreneurs. The women in my world are fiercely forward thinking. I was a feisty, the feisty youngest, and it was celebrated. It was laughed about. It was encouraged always, always. And I did not know how rare that was. That's incredible. It's just so inspiring to hear about it. It makes me want to just freeze frame this moment (laughs) for everyone to just go breathe, smudge yourself with this. Yeah, it exists. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that we can be that for other people, they don't have to be in our family. Yeah. Yeah. We can be that for other people, even if it's for 10 seconds. I mean, I really, the both of you have been that for me. Likewise. Yeah. I I watch what you do in the world. Oh, it's so mutual. It's so, so mutual. You surprise me in the most positive way. Well, first of all, before the pandemic, you were always a connector of people. And I watched you evolve the connection. I remember when you brought Julie in to the shop. And I, I remember when you brought her in for conversations just about sharing like what's happening in the world. How many people would never have gotten the privilege of hearing Julie, who literally is utilizing her great good abilities to heal the world, what you've done in the world through design, you know, and Julie, like I didn't, so many people I know I'm either gifting like, okay, I'm setting this up for you or sharing just the love that you have to make sure that people are one healthy. And then dream chasing. So I'm just honored to be in this little bubble. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's cool because we're motivated in the same way. It's like Hmm. if there's something that I love so much that I know is can be transformative or if I know that this could have impacted me, then it even possibly could impact you in some way. I just want to like shout it from the top of the mountain. Like, yeah. Well, Julie taught me I can I can just giggle afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> if I blurt it out, it, I, I'm telling you something that was told to me, but I can just giggle a little bit. Take it or leave it. Carrie, would you mind telling us a little bit about your dad? Because you have you have like over time, I mean, your all of your relationship to him, like even Afshin, like when I think of him, I think of royalty. Yes. yes. Yeah, like he yes. was like regal. And I feel like I know him without even knowing him. Like, it feels like his soul is just like around. I would have to say that is such an accurate description of my father. He is, 
Yara's, Yara named her business when she was eight. She named it Dharma Driven, which is purpose driven. She is the evolution of my father, which is wild for me to see, but even wilder for him to witness. And, and he's like the third parent in our parenting crew. So imagine my kids have been raised knowing that they can go to him or I go to him or Afshin goes to him. We solve all things together. He is, I don't, how would I describe him? If you could imagine someone who is so settled in their spirit, but has never stopped self-study to be better for the planet, not for himself, but to be of service. That's my dad. So I am like just a little evolved sprinkling of who he is. And his father was the same. His father was the same for him. Mysterious legacy. Yes. yes. Where was he from? Where was your grandfather from? Uh, my grandfather is from Louisiana. My grandmother is from Arkansas. They relocated to the Midwest. But my grandfather, all of my, all of my grandparents were educators in some capacity. My, my dad's dad was a special ed teacher. I mean, imagine in the 60s. In the 60s. Yep. Wow. In, yep. in Louisiana or Arkansas? In Louisiana. And then he came to Milwaukee. Wow. And my grandmother, entrepreneur, owned a business. Like that's all I saw of her is like just this powerhouse woman. And I would tease my friends like middle school. They wanted to go to Six Flags. I'm like, I'm going with my grandmother to church because I just wanted to be <laughs> around her. You know, yeah, super feisty, um, very confident. My dad is a lot like both of his parents. He had such a deep reverence and respect. That have anything to do with, you know, when you were segueing into producing, mm -hmm. I was wondering, you know, like, isn't the timing extraordinary? How propitious? I mean, of all times, period. And then you of all people, and then a time when black women are finally, there's a, I feel like there's a thirst, not just a mm -hmm. forum, not just an opportunity, but a mm -hmm. thirst. People want to hear the vision of black women. And I then agree. right then. So did, did you see that opportunity and go, this is my time or were you blazing trail going, well, there's never enough. So, you know, move over. I'm coming through. I definitely, weirdly, because that is really my nature, this, the latter move over, I'm coming through. I definitely felt like there's something more that we can share. And I think what made me so excited about it is there's such a sisterhood, a brotherhood, a kinship in the business that I could call Lena, Isa whomever, I have a question. Yara could text someone. It literally is a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm -hmm. oh. And I think I just feel so fortunate that so many of my peers, I was just a genuine fan of where I remember the first time I saw Lena, it had to be eight, nine years ago. And she was coming to visit someone on set. And I literally am, the, I am such a spaz. I'm like, oh my God, you are brutal. <laughs> That's all I have to say. You know, I just feel so lucky to be around people that are so brilliant. And I'm a true fan. I am a true fan of all of these people that have taken the risk, especially the women in the world, Black women. They are taking a risk to share their voice. It's a, I, I've shared with 
a producer, a dominant culture executive, it's like, listen, as a black woman, I have to shore myself at 7.30, 8 a.m. because I don't know what's coming for me. And I've had some crazy things come for me just in terms of me saying one thing, for example, okay, got it. And it being interpreted like, oh, God, Carrie was so pissed. She was yelling at this executive. Literally, that happened to me. But you know how the universe is. It came back to me by the end of the day from somebody that doesn't even work in the same area. Somehow the second person called the third person. It came back to me and not in a way that someone was sharing to be helpful. Somebody was sharing to see like, aren't you concerned about your reputation? I was like, no, why? It was such a weird question after this conversation. And so I feel like the work as, as Black women, it's not just to have film or television or media on air, but it's also to be behind the scenes and talk about and share what's important about get to know us. The work is done behind the scenes in the assumptive moments of people being like, oh, you probably want to do this or say this. No, not at all. I'm sure I'm, I'm a very small piece of that big machine of Black women and uh, brown and Black creatives that are spending a lot of their time behind the media, shoring up the business, expanding the business, making space for other people. I've learned from my peers that, you know, you don't just fight for your own credit. You fight for the new writer and say, I know traditionally they wouldn't get EP, executive producer credit, but we want to give it to them. So take whatever you need to from us to make sure that they get it. We learned that from the Lena's and the Isa's and Prentice, Penny and Natasha and all of the people in the world. Some people I don't even have a relationship with, but I'm learning just watching them. And so part of our journey, Yara and I in this business is to do, you know, do that good work behind the scenes is to make sure that directors that have not had the opportunity to shoot, get the opportunity. Writers who may need an agent to fight for them, whether they, whether we have a project together or not, first, let's help you just get an agent that we know that we trust. Here are a few people that are just good humans. And so I, you know, I know a lot of the Black women in the business are doing the exact same thing. And that's, it's just an exciting time. You're right. It's just a really exciting time. Oh my God, so thrilling. It's building an infrastructure that gives, pays forward and sees a future. Yeah. But it's also founded on relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like Mm. in other cultures, that's the highest value is in relationship. It's about like- Exactly, exactly. Relationships, like building, it's not about the object. Like the goal isn't the object. It's yes, not outside yeah. of this. And I, right. but the structure, the current structure has been built like on a means basis. Like what's, what's the best means mm-hmm. to the end or end to means there isn't like people. And so I think that's what we're doing by infiltrating these systems is being like, wait, but this is more important than, than whatever comes out of this. Like we're all going to eat at the end of the day. Right. Right. Because if you don't have, I'm going to share. So it's just, that's how it works. My dad has always told me, I mean, it's been decades. The difference between networking and building relationship equity is you're pouring into moments, a human, a relationship with what you're saying, Melody. There's no end game. 
Mm-hmm. There's no goal in sight. Agenda, no There's agenda. No agenda. But what happens is, like what happened for us, our first year of our production deal, I was like, oh my God, we're surrounded by friends. I didn't know they had production deals. And now we get to work with each other on this side. Yeah. I, I didn't get to know these people because, ooh, eventually they'll be able to help me out. Yeah. Right. And nothing to do with it. And so I think that's what's so exciting about building and pouring into relationships and really understanding the difference between networking, which I think is just, we don't need to network. No. I think we just need to build relationships. No end in sight. Yeah. Well, authentic ones with people that you're genuinely interested in, not because mm-hmm. they can offer you something, but just because right. you think that there's some something there. Yeah. And we may get burned. Yeah. It's like having two actors that study two different techniques. Maybe one's Stanislavski and one's Adler, and there's a little bit of a rub. Sometimes you're going to be building relationships with someone that just wants to network with you, and it's okay. Yeah. Mm. It's okay. I feel like also time takes care of things because as long as one is relationship oriented, eventually the other is going to need a relationship. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's so true. (laughs) Just not today. (laughs) That's so true. I mean, I watch my husband's success. You guys know he's, he's just a quiet soul, but his success foundationally is because he just builds relationships. That's it, like nothing else. And I don't even think he would have known to notice the difference because that's all he knows. So I'm glad the universe pointed us like this. I'm glad I turned the corner and I saw that big, huge mop of hair. And I was like, oh my God, that's my husband. (laughs) I literally was like, my friend was like, what did you say? I'm like, I don't know, but that guy. (laughs) Listen, Carrie, I'll tell you what I tell everybody else. Once you go Persian, you want no other version. <laughs> I can't wait to tell Saeed. <laughs> because Listen, Harry will keep you win- warm during the winter. It's great. There's lots of going work. to eat. <laughs> yes, you will eat. You will eat some and good food. Eat. Yeah. Yes. I love that. I love that. <sighs> what's new for you guys? I want to know because this always inspires me to hear what's new. Smooshy, you go first. Oh, well, I I wrote a book about my near-death experiences. I thought it was time to share. I tried to put it out there and no one's picked it up yet. But in the meantime, I've written two more. I'm assembling them right now. Wow. And so I decided to write them for humanity. Maybe it'll be a rhetorical love letter. Mm. Maybe no one will pick it up. But I feel so much better. <laughs> I feel lighter, brighter, happier. Mm. I don't feel like I worry about humanity as much anymore since I wrote them. And oh. so it's new, but I'm I'm still working on the last one. And that's just you know, it's joyful. And what's really sweet is my husband is my biggest fan. And so every time I write something new, he reads it and he goes, oh, oh, you know, and so it feels like it's perfect. It's a perfect world. It's just a small world, but that's what's Mm -hmm. new for me. And especially during the winter, it's, it's a really wonderful way to use uh, being frozen solid. (laughs) You know, do you, think do you think you guys will ever end up in 
the warmer climate? Yeah, we're talking about it. We talk about, you know, my dad, he is in his late nineties. So we adore him. We spend a lot of time with him. So, but we have been like uh, talking about a little walkabout here. We want to be near you guys. We're waiting. I think we've been patient. I think so too. Uh, We want to come. We really do. Plus, I think this last winter right now, I think we've kind of had our uh, quota of shoveling. I never want to shovel again. I'm from Wisconsin. I never. I'm there. Have you ever shoveled, Melanie? No. Um, no, born and, born and raised in LA. <laughs> no, not no even shovel. as a visitor. No. You know what? I think there's an experiential moment that she would love in Chicago. What? what? Which is what? Shoveling. Oh, no. I know. Carrie. <laughs> this is the one place I think your vision might be failing a little bit. <laughs> Carrie, <laughs> I have to tell you, you would have loved, I wish I had been the kind of person that, um, you know, some people, they just capture photos of the moment all the time, but I'm more like a in it, in the moment. Right. And um, I can't even remember how many years ago when Melody visited in the middle of a blizzard, like deep winter deep, frozen, Chicago, windy. And she hadn't brought adequate clothes. I I didn't know what it even meant. I was like, this is my biggest coat. That wind off of- Oh, I had no idea. And so she came over, I invited her over and her friend loaned her like pieces of art. I just wish you could have seen it. It was so precious. It was was like, as if a five-year-old was at my front door, I'm like, who dressed you of all people in the world? Who's always dressed to set the trend. So adorable. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. (laughs) Oh yeah. But the worst part was the shoes. Like I didn't realize, (laughs) I didn't realize you needed, you really need special shoes to walk in the snow. So the first thing I did was like, eat it. I was like, I walked and I was like, fell straight on my butt. And I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, and Chicago's special. Like, it is. It's a special cold. It's a special wind. Yeah, like Minnesota. Bone chilling. Yeah, the same, Oof. the same. Bone a little bit colder chilling. in Chicago. Okay, so Melody, I'm watching you creative direct. I'm watching you. I mean, the screw earrings, I'm watching, like, there's something creative coming from you, but now it's from so many directions and I'm loving your love of basketball. I know it's kind of incredible. I never really dreamed that I would be able to incorporate it into my work in any way. And in the last few years, like just after doing the collaboration with Jordan and being able to work on basketball shoes, and I'm actually working on a, on a court approved shoe with them now. So I'll be able to actually make shoes for players. That's amazing. It's kind of like my own full circle moment of, I had no idea that these sort of foundational things that inspired me or that I was so, so shaped by growing up could come into play in this way. Mm-hmm. So it's really exciting. I think that I've kind of had, I've been really internal these last few months. I've been really going into myself and sort of re-examining everything. I think at the 
beginning of the pandemic, I kind of had a, a moment of what's going to happen to my business. Like, mm-hmm. and then I went through stages of like, why am I designing this stuff? Like all we're wearing is sweatsuits and we're not leaving the house. And, mm-hmm. and so there's been a lot of shifts, but all for the better. I feel like I have so much more information now and I'm really trying to get back to doing the things that aren't so production oriented, but more like just the random things that I want to create mm-hmm. and just trust in that, trust in that process again, versus being in this like more business-minded. It's it's really hard to do both. It's hard when you're running a business yeah. and especially when as a creative director working with such a big corporation like Foot Locker, being mm-hmm. so involved in like the numbers and the units and the movement and the you know, it's like the, like the forecasting, like the very structured forecasting and design process really kind of puts me in a, a little bit of a box. So trying to figure yeah. out how I could break free, like have freedom again, like balance yeah. it all. I recall that with, with our process with Adidas, it's like dream your biggest dream, but you you can only get the accessories in this window. Yeah. And it's like, here's your toolkit. Yeah. And it's for somebody who's so creative like you are, it, I can imagine that it is really kind of stifling and underwhelming in, at moments to dream your biggest dream with an asterisk. Absolutely. And with production, I mean, the supply chain stuff has been really difficult this, these last few years. Yeah. I also took on a strategic partner that owns factories that are all overseas. So the production process is a little bit longer, which is more frustrating because before I was doing everything locally. And even though it's a lot more difficult, I would see results a lot sooner. Mm -hmm. So it kind of had me in a a specific flow, Mm -hmm. a little bit out of my flow. So I'm trying to find more things locally that I can have more immediate results, like just kind of diversify my creative process so that I'm constantly in that zone. Right. Right. And not distracted or inundated by numbers and facts and data and Mm -hmm. sales reports. And I'm not interested. It puts me in a different side of my brain. Yeah. Well, and I always think about this. When people find you for your talents, they are finding you because you're unique, right? They want to partner with you because there's nobody like you. And then if we're not careful, we become we become like the companies, yes. but the idea is they're coming to you to say, help, yes. help us, help us stay fresh and aware and awake. And so it does make your job twice as hard because you have to protect your creativity against the machine. Yes. And like Julie says, always, you really have to hold your own. And that's difficult, especially when you're being creative because you're in, in a state, you know, and so having to be so fiercely protective over that constantly is, yeah. is an energy that. And it's part of your practice, I feel, you know, like I've shared with Melody, my little journey with this book, but I feel like <clears throat> all it's done is grown me because every time a publisher has said, oh, we love your writing, but we just want to cut out your story here. We'd like you to just talk more about this, this, and this. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with why I'm, I, this mm-hmm. is to serve mm-hmm. people, not to serve your publishing house. 
And um, immediately they're giving you feedback about what they would like to put out. I love that how you go, oh, absolutely no. And you're the first to say, this is not going to work for me. I mm-hmm. love that place. You may not know where the door is open right. yet, but no. at least you're quite sure now what you're looking for. And I feel like that's part of our practice mm-hmm. in life. Yeah, I agree. Your book made me think about, you know, I've been talking about this book I've been reading, The 5 a.m. Club, Robin Sharma. See, that makes me think to go reverse engineer to see who published him because his whole story is kind of like, it reminds me of like Og Mandino, greatest salesman in the world. It's just a sweet parable, parable kind of moving towards here's a way to kind of design your life to be the most philanthropic, the most, you know, to really shine your gifts. But immediately when you said it, it made me think like, I wonder who published his books Yeah, because his first book is the monk who sold his Ferrari. He wrote that 25 years ago. Wow. Mm, I love a good book, Rick. Yeah. It's the 25th anniversary, but he wrote it when he he had become a lawyer and was disillusioned and moved right into this space. Um, I wonder if he has an imprint somewhere. That's what it makes me think of. It's finding those people that get it. Yeah, absolutely. Who get it? Yeah. Who get what it's about. I love that. And I love what Melody is talking about. And I actually, I'm sure, Carrie, you feel the same way. As she's moved into more arenas where people want her stuff, recognize her stuff, paradoxically, that's where she's come up against the proverbial glass ceiling that's not real. Right. She's real. Yeah. There is no it. Yeah. I love to see her back in that creative place because like, oh, the magic is coming. Well, and the beauty is you've already, you have your own label, right? That's the thing. Like when we're so assured. Yeah. It doesn't matter the name of the big box brand. No, mm, it doesn't. It looks good to be partnered. You're already hovering way up here on a saucer, mm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's, it's something that we talk about a lot at home. Mm. You were saying you kind of. I always think of that Erica Badu song where she says, you're only as funky as your last cut. <laughs> but what if every cut is funky? <laughs> but what if that's all you are? Is right. Funk? But you got to keep coming with the funk. I know. I'm so glad I got to talk to you guys. I love you guys. Let's hang this out the all the time. <laughs> this is the best. Yeah. This is the world I, I want to live in always. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. So wonderful Carrie. to to be together. Carrie, before we go, can we ask you a question? Mm. So this year's theme in our podcast is quest for world peace. And we were wondering, what do you see? What do you envision? Like what could foreseeably be a step or a portal that would open up that possibility from where you sit? Yeah, I love that question. Literally, it's love. I, I honestly think that. I honestly think it's just human connection. I think so many times we walk by one another without speaking, without commenting, without And I just think so many people, we see that so many people are struggling. It's heartbreaking, but I feel like 
if we all just took the time to look up and look at each other and to kind of collapse the hierarchy, you know, no executive is above the craft service person is above the Uber driver. Um, years ago, I told Yara, you know, I could write a book from what I've learned from Uber drivers. I could literally write a book. But I think letting go of this illusion of hierarchy and being vulnerable enough to just kind of share joy and love, really. I think sometimes it's scary for people because I'm a, I'm a big time big wig. You know, we just had a call with someone last week and in the middle of it, I just said respectfully, I just want to remind everyone that there are humans involved. It's not about the numbers. Numbers can't hug you at night. It's not about the, you know, the airtime. Sometimes airtime sucks. I don't want to be in the front of the camera, you know? So (laughs) it's just, I think it's feeling like it's okay to stand up for one another, to love one another, to notice one another, to reach out to one another. Yeah. And really collapse that hierarchy. Oh, thank you so much, Carrie. You can feel it. You can feel how it could just, it could happen. Yeah. And I know with the work that you all are doing actively, you're actively changing those waves of uh, disruption. You're putting that into the universe. I so enjoy your (laughs) podcast and I share it with people. So I think it's just really important. All of the things people don't even know half the things you guys are doing in the world, but the little bit that they do know, we're all better for it. Well, thank you for being a part of that. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> love you, Carrie. Love, yeah, so love you both. I love you both. Yeah, thank you again. No, thank you. <laughs> and that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us. See you next time. <laughs>